1: Glenn. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey so you're uh, making fun of me, man. I'm I, making fun of you because you know, somehow this week, I, you know, I, I was driving the car. I was listening to music. I love music, and right, I'm playing music, right? right. right. And and some I, I just got like the hang loose symbol, you yeah, know, with it's the like hand. the Hawaiian hang yeah, loose yeah, thing. It's the shaking, hanging loose, and you're giving me a look like I'm an idiot, or uh, like, like I'm well, something. I mean, wrong you just
2: me. got big from Hawaii, or what's up with the?
1: Well, my my daughter's thinking about going to Universal Hawaii, right? Oh. But no, I just I, I don't even know where it came from. I was listening to the song, and all of a sudden I'm doing the 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 shaky hang loose, and you're looking at me like like I got three heads. How about so. peace out? Hey, peace. I love peace out. Peace out is easy. Peace, man. Peace yeah. rocks.
2: Yeah. I love Rod. Right. So, so what's going on, man? Hey, That's, man, we, we got a special day. Yeah, we, we got a really special day today because uh, favorite. Uh, we have table for three. First table ding for ding. three. I love, love that. We got Jen in the room and. Uh, hey, Jen. hey, Jen. Hey, Jen. Welcome, welcome. Hey, good yeah. morning. Yeah, so we got Jen in the room and we're gonna we're gonna topic on down here for a bit. But uh, um, I, just before I do, let's just do a quick circle around and make sure everybody's you just stay sober. How'd you stay sober yesterday, Glenn?
1: Well, I worked the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I used tools that I've learned in the 12 steps. I probably used uh, 18 tools mm-hmm. yesterday. And um, I probably accountability
2: was the What's the number one. Connection and accountability were the two big tools yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, it was. You've uh, never asked me that question. Before. I know. I know. I, I just, it, it came to it. What did I do Pressure. yesterday? The one thing is I distracted myself yesterday, I guess, because I did service. I, I picked up a guy in need, took him where he needed to go. And that took me out of my own head for for a good portion of my day, and uh, and I think that really helped me stay sober I mean, yesterday. Awesome. Okay. How about you, Jen?
3: Oh yeah, that's a good one. You know, I just listened to your podcast on relapse, and the first point of that was emotional, mm. and I went through some emotional stuff yesterday. It was a long week, and I start noticing those feelings come, you know, back into just feeling depleted. And how can okay. I solve this? So really relevant to listen to that. And how I solved it is I went into um, an evening, a local networking entrepreneur group, and I was very pleased to find great non-alcoholic options there and felt like I could celebrate with my community. So it was a really kind of interesting day of ebbing and flowing through a lot of emotions. All right,
2: two things. First of all, uh, I had a very long month last week, too. Um, <laughs> secondly, was the non alcoholic choices that water. you had water? It was water. Right? What, did no, they sorry. actually
3: they had something I floofy? Was it's slight, it was slightly elevated to okay. what we call like an RTD, which is a ready-to-drink non-alcoholic cocktail. Okay. So no bartender needed, just, you know, easy, but better than, you know, soda and very sugary options. So I always appreciate that.
2: Nice. You know, I've had, uh, in the past few years, I've had the experience. First of all, I've, I'm a jokester, right? So I go to a restaurant. <laughs> And uh, my wife will you know he'll ask her what she wants and she gets whatever she wants. Then it comes to me and I say, I'll take a Jack and Coke, but hold the jack And she's <laughs> like and she looks at me she goes, you're not funny, Mike, because oh one day you're gonna get a Jack and Coke you totally will I guaranteed. know but I, because Cause they
1: will hear Jack and Coke they will not get that's the- uh, risky. I know
2: but I'm I know it is. And she says, Don't do it. When they well, hit
1: the bar, they're going they're not gonna remember Funny Mike. They're gonna yeah, remember Jack and Coke Mike. Yeah,
2: right. I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna my wife's not gonna she'll remember Funny Mike. It I wasn't know, so totally, funny totally. back then. So Jen,
1: welcome. Bye. So quick, uh Jen has she's a Ted Talk speaker, right? Yeah. For those that know Ted Talks, it's you know, very high level uh eighteen minutes, I think, Jen, right?
3: That's right. Yep.
1: So TED Talks are 18 minutes long because that's the attention span. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Same timeline mm-hmm. as Silver so That Coffee, coffee right? yeah.
2: which we never miss. But did you go 18 <laughs> minutes on your TED Talk? Did you nail it right at 18? You know, 18 or?
3: I went 15 minutes and 53 in the edited version. Okay. So, okay. Uh, and I found it challenging to edit down from the initial, which was probably about 23, 24 okay. minutes, Okay. is a right. This
2: okay yeah Yeah. i know we have the hardest time staying at 18 because it seems we're just like on a jelly roll and just about time to put an exclamation mark on a great sentence and it's like no we got to keep going
1: mikey sets his timer right for 18 minutes it goes off every single time we never pay attention to it so i don't know why he sets it (laughs) i know right right right
2: (laughs) so yeah uh, first of all let's be in case we forget uh, let's talk about... What are we uh, selling? Oh, Are we selling something? Yeah, we're selling the TED Talk link. So, okay. so uh- how do they find you on uh, YouTube to find the TED Talk link? Or what's the best yes. route for you? Yeah. How do you point people to see the TED Talk?
3: So, just um, on YouTube, just search TEDx Talks Jen Gilhoy. And my last name is G I L H O I. And it's pretty cool because the uh, National International Committee had decided to elevate it, which means you'll see it on the top bar. Nice. Um, just because it was really relevant and timely. So, that's been cool to have the backing of the TEDx organization to get it out to more people.
2: And, and you are so right. It is so relevant. It is so timely. I mean, we've been... It, it is amazing. And maybe it's the yellow car syndrome, right? Yeah. So you buy a yellow car and all of a sudden you notice <laughs> all the yellow cars, all right? But I get sober yeah. and it's amazing to how much sobriety or curious and all these different variations of what's going on out there. People, I mean, I, I, I sense a revolution, but but yet i'm still seeing devastation and and it doesn't need to be that way if if we can just make it not this you know stigma of of disaster Tony, so so the one thing and jen i'll jump in you know in
1: my own story you know i've got 8 years on on the sober path i mean i've tried before that but i finally surrendered 8 years ago and and, and just now, like the last year, I mean, I do a lot of business and, you know, just now I'm starting to share with people that I'm on the sober path and, mm-hmm. and I have confidence that that's actually a superpower for me. So I, you know, I share that, but I still tend to do it in confidence, right? So here you are.
2: On the internet,
1: yeah. On TED talks, I'm, right? I, I think TED talks have what, like 500 listeners per per episode? Oh, yeah, maybe. I, yeah, I think about a, 50 million, a, 18
2: on average. Yeah, mean, it's right. 50 yeah, million.
1: Right. I mean, there's millions of listeners to TED talks. Right. So you now only put yourself out there. I said, I noticed you said your last name with confidence, and then mm-hmm. TED Talk spotlights your TED Talk. Yes. So you're on the top of the top of the top. Right. Right. With your full name and telling your story and and and, and sharing. So that's a long way from
2: where I'm at. I think it's a long way from where people with drinking problems, probably a long, wrong way to, but people who had challenges drinking, they they had nowhere to go. They didn't, they didn't, they had nowhere to go. They, they were, they were the, the blot on society. Poor, you know, poor Uncle Ed, he just passed out and we all called him an alcoholic. So it seems like you're really out there with a message and a
1: purpose of normalizing sobriety.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have uh 10 years when I started and like you have had a couple relapses and have 9 years of continuous sobriety and yeah, it's um if you would have told me at that point that I would be a TEDx speaker, I have 30, you know, 6,000 <laughs> views on my talk right now and I'm totally okay <laughs> with that. It is amazing. I mean, that is the promises coming true. Right? Right. Amen. And well, I it's, love that. Yeah, and I think what I wanted to say about that is the anonymity, right, of AA and how that serves us very well early in the beginning of sobriety. But I noticed at about three years in that my route to service wasn't necessarily going to be becoming a sober coach or a sponsor. It was a mission to tell all of the amazing stories in some way of the people that I have heard of in the room sharing their stories. Like, how could I be an advocate that, you know, sober life is pretty freaking amazing, you know, once we accept and start living in that. And I just didn't see that message out there. And I also had the privilege of not being in a corporate or an environment that could also bring shame to me if I shared that story I was an entrepreneur so I was like right. I'm just gonna my culture one and share my story
2: right you know that so funny I came back I came from that uh, same base I was an entrepreneur and, and people always look at me like wow that's impressive so courageous no I just couldn't work for anybody else people yes, yes. you know so <laughs> You know, and nobody else would let me have a wet bar in my corner office, you know. Mm. So, but yeah, it, and that, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: what, what I learned about anonymity, and it's hard for me to say that, but I think I did an okay job, um, <clears throat> is I focus on other, th- my my commitment is other people's anonymity, not necessarily my own. Right. 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 And, and I'm literally the last year... Probably, I've really started to excel at that. I made the most progress in the last year where, you know what, I don't really care. In fact, there there was a big business deal, $15 million business deal, where I shared, before I did the deal, I shared, I'm like, hey, here's my path, here's my story before we do this deal. I want you to understand who I am and, and what I'm about. And I risked a $15 million deal Mm-hmm. To make sure that they understood where and, and, and who the real Glenn was.
2: Can I can I tell on you for a second though, real yeah. quick? Before you did that, my phone rang. Oh yeah, before you did that, my phone rang. I mean that's the program working. It's that fit. I don't
1: do many major things without checking in with somebody these right, days. Right I, right. I I just don't. And 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 here's the thing is you know, when I did that, and after I shared my my story, and it took four minutes to to share. There was a silent pause, and what I've learned on this journey is I had the confidence that it was going to work out. Right. I had a pause. There were two guys on the phone. The one guy said, "Glenn, thanks for sharing that. I'm good." And the other guy said, "Glenn, I took I took a lot of guts, man, to to bring that up." He goes, "I'm great, hmm. you know." And and so. You know, we talk, Jen, a lot about, you know, the way I look at it, there's a dial, right? And there's the word faith on one side of the dial and fact on another. And I had enough turning of that dial from faith to fact that I had confidence to be able to sit there and say, first of all, this is the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. right? I think it's wrong to go into that level of relationship or that level of a deal without sharing the backstory, Mm -hmm. right? Because that... Part of the backstory doesn't come out on a background check. No, right, <laughs> right, right. The uh, um, amount of liquor consumed, and and so it, it was just you know I I just. It really hits me that you're on the top of the top of the TED, you know, and and, and that you you chose to do that. And you chose this to be your purpose and mission. I
2: love it. Yeah, it's pretty powerful.
1: Uh,
3: And I'll I'll tell you how how I did that was really being vulnerable along the way in my Mm. women-supported networking group. So it didn't, you know, I just didn't step on the red carpet. It was like six years of kind of telling my story in small Mm -hmm. ways and just like you said getting that confirmation um and just confidence behind it was invaluable and you know i think people don't see necessarily that part of it but now i have very little people say the same to me on linkedin you have that takes guts Mm -hmm. and i'm like really i like have to question it because it's just such a natural um open place that I've got to, right. I guess, the, resu-
2: the result of the journey you've taken, right?
3: Well, I think,
1: yeah. I think people say it takes guts because many people in life hide behind reality, right? And, mm. and they don't have the confidence and they have that fear and 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 the temptation to be perfect, right? Especially on social media. Everybody puts out, you know, especially with all these filters on social media. I don't, mm. I don't even know how to use filters. I show just Glenn, right? But so many filters. they, they That's don't, why you don't have likes, <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude. That's fun. That is so true. But you know, everybody's hiding behind some mask, right? And and, and they don't they don't want to be vulnerable. Uh, Jen, I love that word. You used. They don't want to be vulnerable, right? So we think about normalizing, you know, sobriety. There's there's two words out there or a hashtag out there today that that I just love and we've embraced, Mikey, and and. <clears throat> and and I think it just shows how many people out there, right, are are, you know, just trying to find a, a, a sober path, and that's hashtag, sober curious, right? And and so many people think, well, AA is a cult, right? Mm-hmm. Or sobriety, people are gonna make fun of me because I'm in sobriety or because I don't take that drink. People are gonna judge me, you know. and, and there's so much packed into that. Right that, that needs to be unpacked right. and, and talked about.
2: Mm-hmm. What's the other hashtag that you see out there a lot that you silver curious and another term that another term that we hear a lot about is um, just yeah AA searching for Oh yeah, alternatives, a- alternatives to a- <laughs> because there's a persona that maybe that doesn't work, and, and you know it doesn't work for everybody. You know, it, it doesn't work for everybody, and I get that, and we've gone a long way to say, look, there are there are other options you can look into. All we can do is come on here and say, it's worked for us, but we've had to work it. We had to do what the program said to do. We didn't pick and choose that one chapter was was not applicable to us. The whole 164 pages were important to us.
1: So, so we are pro-sobriety. Right. And pro-sobriety. Jen, yeah. And Jen, Jen, I'm not sure if you worked AA or you work in another program. But you're pro-sobriety. Um, but you're, you're pro-sobriety. Right. But we, we had a doctor in here who is an expert in the addiction treatment right. space, right? right. And, and we know him very well. And I asked him one time, I'm like, why do some people say that AA doesn't work? Mm-hmm. And his... Explicit answer was they haven't surrendered and worked the program. There you go. You know, and and hey, I I went to AA for 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 many years. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I had all my judgments and it didn't work for me. Right. But as I look, that back, doesn't mean that AA didn't work. It just meant at the time it didn't work for you. Right. Because of my approach and because of my ego and because of everything yeah. else. And yeah. all
2: and all my messages to anybody is give AA a try. Really give it a try. But if it doesn't work, don't think it's the last bullet in your gun. Don't give up. Don't give up the fight because A didn't work for you. Because there is hope and, and life on the other side. And normalizing sobriety is gonna make that a lot easier for people because they can walk in confidently into an event and say, I'm I'm not I don't drink. Right? And that's the point we need to get to. Because I've gone to parties where old high school friends and they're like what roads what oops mike what's with the coffee oh there we go Rhodes, what's with the coffee you know um well i don't drink i don't drink it doesn't it doesn't set well with me anymore or i've had my fill i i had my life limit on alcohol i can't have anymore yeah, yeah.
3: right well and that's how my talk starts out you know the question the annoying question i've had for eight years why aren't you drinking mm-hmm. right like have people in sobriety doing an amazing healthy thing for themselves be questioned about that in all of our social spaces so i will say that my my talk moves people from sober curious was which was 2018 Mm -hmm. and more of an individual relationship questioning with alcohol to this what i call a third pillar of environment right so like AA is amazing for the work you do on yourself and in peers. But what I felt fell apart for me was going into social spaces where I was like, Nothing is supported here. I can't make a good choice for myself, and I'm actually really annoyed just being in these spaces. So again, that's you know the continuum of a sober celebrated lifestyle starts or started for me in AA for three years, and then I wanted to move out into my community and feel a sense of belonging.
2: I love that solar celebrated. I love that. So so, what are some of the things you're doing in the community? because I know you're making impact. I mean, the, the talk was the result of the impact you're making. What are some of the things that you're doing in your community to kind of change the the language and change the voice of, of sobriety?
3: Yeah. Um, before coming on to this, this morning, I was thinking about normalizing sobriety and the question of who, who is responsible for that right and I feel like a lot of the conversations have been placed on people in recovery to you know do some of that work but really what it is is the people in in the middle space right that are owners of bars restaurants and venues who can, make different environments to support this and be able to like actually drive some change in normalizing it, right? Because it's like the sober people, we can ask for it all we want, but until that kind of middle culture kind of comes around to um, help support those choices, you know, I I just think there's more progress in that middle ground.
2: Boy, that is is really, really strong because you're right, there... The liquor companies have their voice. Their dollars are being spent to send one message. And what I'm hearing you say is, okay, that's great. There's other people that want to hear something different, but the message isn't being sent. So, mm-hmm. so walking into a walking into a bar, walking into a liquor store where they have a section that is is all related to non-alcoholic consumption, uh, you know, has to happen. I love that. I mean, that you're right. Who who's in, who's in charge of the messaging? because right. because the the opposite you know the the drinking is is totally manifests itself through marketing dollars and the message they want to send right
3: yes we call it the glamorization of alcohol yeah, and it's right. it's everywhere and we hardly even notice it so mm-hmm. part of my work um is to really create new experiences when i realized you know it's it's not a sober person going to a bar for 6 hours and drinking na cocktails all night that's mm-hmm. not that's not it. Um, so really, what it is is creating different experiences that are maybe more movement, wellness, community-based that don't revolve around a bar, or, you know, that scene. So mm-hmm. it's it's major. And when you think of like environments across America, right? Like, what is the potential for impact if we start to change those environments to support people who? And I say choose to drink occasionally or not at all you know wherever you're at in the spectrum you should have options
2: yep yep options are key yeah went to yep. a went to a wedding I, I, hopefully this plays into some something that has a point but went to a wedding about a month ago uh, of a niece who uh it was in a church and so there was no alcohol served it was beautifully done beautifully the whole thing was beautifully presented you would have thought you were in a top-notch banquet hall with the with the flowers and the and the tablecloths and everything. It was gorgeous, and there was no alcohol, and instead there was games, right? And I thought, for me, it played well, but I heard the snickers, I heard the comments, I, I saw the parking lot partying that was going on, you know, because that was not normal. And, and I think that, you know, for me, <coughs> you've got the open bar it's a big drinking fest on one side of the equation and then you've got this they're playing games and no alcohol on the other and I think what I hear from you Jen is what 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 about the middle market then what about the people if I can't both coexist I guess why can't you have an environment where allow the person to go up you know I have no resentment against anybody who has a drink I, I wish I could drink as well as them i I'm just not I'm a bad drinker, right So <laughs> right. you know, but I've got no resentments. So I don't mind being in that environment, but what you're saying what I hear the drum you're beating is give me an option you know let let let, let let's play together here in a way that right. that that doesn't
1: yeah, that's a really yeah. good point I, I I have two I have two examples on both sides of the coin. Um, that stick out One is I went to a wedding A family wedding of a guy In fact, he was my first guy that I ever knew That was in AA And it was a sober wedding mm-hmm. and, and, and this is I don't know, 1997 or something oh, wow. and, and, and I'm like, how in the world Could you ever have a wedding? And so I, being a leader that I am I organized a tailgate in the parking sure. lot right. You know, just because I mean, hey, that's important, right? And so we were tailgating in, and At this sober guy's wedding yeah, right? right and and that's how much res- respect i had right and i'm like how in the world could you do that and, and then i also saw the other side where in a in a drinking environment we, we had an aa at at you know activist or mm-hmm. advocate and she was preaching and criticizing and judging all the drinking people there i mean she'd go right up to somebody and judge them right to their face wow. i'm like well that's that's the wrong side wow, of the point yeah, right, right? right so in both those instances it was really I, I didn't see a way to right. to bridge the gap because I, I think a lot of people that drink, that judged me because I didn't drink, they had a problem, right? right? So, I mean, there's
2: so much emotion, there's so much industry, and I, that's a great
1: question. Yeah, like, it's a tough
2: battle, but we don't have to worry about it because Jen is tackling it for us on the front lines.
3: Yeah. Jen's going to solve love- that problem. Love that conversation. And I do think it's, you know, the coexisting of both of those is something that we, no one is really familiar with. So what I love to model is I'm out in these social experiences. And a lot of times my friends take it or leave it drinkers are there, maybe having an alcoholic cocktail and then switching to NA and we are coexisting. So what happens in the situation, the wedding you describe, is there's this othering or like, um, you want to be able to drink at the tailgate piece of it and don't want to you know have to engage or feel shame right you want to do you want to drink and enjoy yourself without feeling like an aa person's going to come over and shame you right, right. And from the sober side of it, you know, you're, there's there's just a, a disconnect. So there's not a lot of meeting in the middle right now. And if we can have those experiences, I find that my friends are less likely to come up to me and be apologetic. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having a drink at your birthday party. I'm so right. sorry. It's like, I know, you're good.
2: Right. You're I good. know. Mm-hmm. I'm good. You don't understand it. Like, that affects yeah. me zero. What you do affects zero. me zero.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Right no yeah. it's good stuff so so what what are some of the things that you're doing now to get you to get the voice heard that we we should be normalizing sobriety what are what's what's up on your uh what's in your outlook calendar in the future here
1: that, yeah that you're well, trying to do and how
2: can we help yeah, to,
3: and how
1: uh, can we help do that <laughs> Move you. the mission. Well,
3: As you know, um, September is National Recovery Month, so Mm -hmm. I have loaded my calendar with all sorts of things. But, you know, one of the spaces I think it's important to get into is the corporate space. So um, I am bringing my talk and a version of that to corporate because they have missions. They have publicized missions of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And to me, the alcohol offering NA options to your you know, employees at corporate functions is an absolute must in 2023. So mm-hmm. I am on a mission to support those organizations who want to host their own events. They do, you know, two day conferences, and the drinking um, and pushing of alcohol is still so pervasive. Oh, okay.
1: so so so, Jane. Let, let me yeah. just jump in. So I came from the corporate world. I was a corporate executive for for quite a number of years, and and it it, it amazed me. Um, you know, we would do these annual conferences. And there was literally 10 years in a row, there was every single conference we would lose, meaning get fired, a top-notch level executive, due to
2: a drinking issue. It was almost a game of bingo. Who's going to lose their job Absolutely. this year? Absolutely, it was a
1: lot. Of, right. Who's well, going yeah. to screw up this right, year? Right. And and how I remember there was one- How many people had Glenn in their Oh, uh, There was a major, major and, and the executives and, would actually sit there and say- how did this happen? Yeah, right. Again, right. and I'm like, right. okay, let's let's do the math. First right. of all, there's a golf event in the morning. There's beer on every hole, right. and there's a, a, a golf you know bar cart, right. you know, with booze on it, right? And, and, then, then, we the lunch, hole, and right. then we had lunch, and they had lunch with cocktails, right. and then we had you know open you know in the afternoon open time, and then we had at four o'clock we had a wine tasting. Yeah right. And then at six o'clock we had open bar. Yeah. And then guess what? At dinner we had tables of uh, bottles of wine on every single table, right. and the bar was open. Yeah. And then at nine o'clock or ten o'clock at night, somebody right. had too much to drink, and they're sitting there saying, you "How did this so? happen again? How did it happen? I mean, right. smart people right. were such idiots, and they're like, they're just blind to it. Yeah. And I'm like,
3: definition of corporate insanity. Oh yeah. So so
1: Jen, I think, I think every first of all, I think there's an alcoholic in every boardroom. I just do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I say that with confidence Statistically, be- you're probably because right. of my experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I think every corporate boardroom, every corporate executive team should get a message, should get some tools, should get access. I think that's a great place to start normalizing sobriety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And, you know, in corporate, often those stories aren't told. So again, um, we when we do see leaders leading with saying, I want to create an alcohol-free environment, Um, Salesforce has done that many companies and it's it's kind of you know gutsy to do that it could be potentially risky because most of American corporations still think they need to have alcohol as that social lubricant when they get their employees together Mm -hmm. when in reality I mean they're all working for the same company they have some sort of shared interest already as a pre-qualifier it's like why do we need that
2: love that I love that we'll put some you you'll have to offline send me some links and we will get uh, we will we will pepper our um, uh, our resource room with links. So certainly Love to get it. to your TED talk, we'll have a link there, so people don't have to figure out the whole spelling of the last name thing. And uh, and then, secondly, uh, any additional resources that you have help us help us be a conduit to communicate those choices that corporations can have. Um, because yeah, I, I agree with Glenn. I think there are. This, statistically speaking, there's there's a problem in every boardroom.
3: Yes. Yeah. I would say the other resource is zero proof collective. Yeah. So we have a website and Instagram and we have created things like an NA playbook, which is all about why and how corporations should offer non-alcoholic options. So it's very it's very culturally forward, but also tactical. So we have tools like that in the corporate environment. And then I would say just personally, my Jen Gilhoy website has like stories and some resources and things there and um, speaking engagements.
1: You know, Jen, just to jump in, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about all this. I, I remember a top-notch executive in this big public company. I, he was very publicly, he said, I don't trust anybody that doesn't drink. Yeah, right. I mean, that (laughs) has to stop. Right. Because I'll tell you what, I am more trustworthy today as a sober executive than I ever was as a drinking. I mean, that is foolishness. And that's part of what what, what just has to be torn down.
2: I love that. Zero Proof. I'm a little passionate about it. Zero Proof Collective.
3: Yes. Love
2: it. Love it. We'll put the links in the resource room there too.
3: Jen, thank you 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 so much for coming out. Thanks for getting the message out there. Keep
2: getting the message out there and let us know what we can do. Yeah.
3: Thank you both. It was a joy. Come back and jo- <laughs> come back and
0: update us. All right. Thanks, Jen. All right. Thanks, Jen.
2: Take care. Thank bye, bye
0: Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.